All right. Here we go. Quiet. Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and put them all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me, as always, is <laughs> Film Buff Online Editor-in-Chief, Rich Drees. And seated across the microphone from me, as always, and I'm so glad it's always, Aww. Film Buff Online Contributing Editor, Natasha Bogutsky. How you hey, doing? Not bad. Hey, I wanted to... Um, to have a production meeting with you right here on the air. Okay, let's let's just start off with that. Yeah, I missed the trailer segment. Can we bring that back? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, do you want us to bring that back? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was about an extra 2 hours of production work. Made editing a bitch. Yes. And remember we refined things down a little bit to cut out <laughs> production time. I know, but I every know. now and then there is there's a good trailer that pops up and I'm just like, I wanna share this with the world. Okay. And we is, is there a specific one you saw this week that you want to talk about though? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I can okay. think of. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I mean, we can always, if one uh, ca- definitely catches our eye, we can do that. Yay! Okay. So, but, um, what did catch your eye this week in terms of... Oh, before- come on. You know what you want to talk about, so just get cut to the chase. What do I want to talk about? There's so many things I want to talk about. <laughs> well, oh, there um, you go. Uh, you mean the news from earlier today, which I messaged you at work? Uh. Okay, yes. Very exciting. It was announced today that a sequel is now in the works for one of the best movies of 2018, A Simple Favor. Woo! <laughs> and they're returning. Wait, is Paul Fig returning to direct? Yes, he is. Thank God. Blake Lively wouldn't be Blake Lively's character without that damn walking stick of Paul Feig's, <laughs> which True. was amazing. Um, yes, both uh, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are are back. Um, mm. No word yet as to any of the uh, other uh, moms and dads from the school group are coming <laughs> back, like Andrew Reynolds, and I can't remember who else was in there. Um, but I'm excited. So am I. I mean, I really loved this movie. And not just because of the the clothing or its use of French music. Oh, that, yay, pop that and French all that. pop stuff. Oh, oh yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. I still can't get my hands on that soundtrack on vinyl, by the way. They had it <laughs> briefly on Amazon and then it just went kablooey. And now I am on the hunt. So if anyone has a copy, I'm willing to pay for it. <laughs> um. No, I really, really love that movie. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. It really it introduced Henry Goldling, one of his early movies that kind of yes. introduced him to the world. Mm-hmm. If you happen to miss Crazy Rich Asians. Uh... Yeah, this was before that. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think he filmed Crazy Rich Asians before this, but this came out first. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It was definitely that time period of, like, you got Gone Girl, Woman on the Train, like, thrillers like that that were female centric as not being the good guy but here it was just and not necessarily like a femme fatale either no so that was yeah so yeah that's that's one thing i appreciated about it yeah um but here it just it it was funny it felt more real it was stylized in a particular way that you didn't really need to go as heavy and just over dramatic as possible. They were having so much fun with it. You could tell that whole third act. Oh yeah, it's so like, twisty and turny, uh, uh, but it all holds up very well. Yeah, and the whole I, mean, I, sh- I, I shot my, you know, I shot my husband. I killed this person. This person. You think I don't have the the gall to kill my best friend? It's just like, <laughs> wait, am I really your best friend? Like you're not just saying no. Of course not. like there's fun and poetry and there's a rhythm to the dialogue that makes it snappy and just a joy to watch oh gosh yeah um yeah the movie was made for like 20 million dollars grossed 97 million worldwide at the box office a lot of people still slept on it 
Um, but mm. it's been making the rounds recently. I, yeah, I definitely say you know it it's, found a bigger audience even beyond that mm-hmm. on uh, video. Yeah, definitely on video on streaming. Um, also, I've been noticing. I know I say this a lot. Uh, influx of people enjoying it over on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there's like a like a bi lesbian side of TikTok that craves and loves movies like A Simple Favor, Ocean's Eight, so on and so forth. There, there's where a there's that level. vibe, yeah, without it kind of being text. Exactly. Not okay. not just being text, not being played for the laugh or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Okay. Which is great. Which is something mm-hmm. I think we've talked about uh, in terms of you know, things that we may eventually get to make. Yeah. Where characters' sexuality is part of the character, but not part of the story. Exactly. Necessarily. Um, kind of like Killing Eve in a way. I would definitely say that Simple Plan came out, I mean, we're going to four years, right around the exact same time. Mm-hmm. So there was there was also that um, what movement yeah, of they films like together. that, yeah, where we had Ocean's Eight, we had we had a simple favor, we had Killing Eve on television, like all these characters, these women who are strong, they're threatening, they are slightly LGBTQ, um, they're they're but they're just normal, like it's not like we have to make a big thing about it, mm-hmm. they're just there. Now the there's two points about this story though that I'm a I'm a little just a little leery about. One, mm-hmm. um, the original film was based on a novel. Yes, there is no source material for this sequel, so they're gonna be kind of moving forward, creating their own thing. Um, on the plus side though, the screenwriter who adapted the novel for the movie mm-hmm. is the Richard. one who's doing the script for. Simple Favor Part 2. Well, that's marvelous. I've always mm-hmm. said that the person who kind of knows the material is the one who should definitely be working it. Like, oh, yeah. With I'm... Secrets of Dumbledore, sorry, J.K. Rowling, you may know your books, but Steve Clovis knows the material and knows how to adapt it properly for film. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, that's a whole separate <laughs> conversation and overall. If, but if, like you I said, if you miss... If you want to know more about that conversation, though, go back and check out our Secrets of Dumbledore episode. Mm-hmm. Trust me, From we a go into of weeks it. Ago. Yes. And um, the other thing that kind of bums me out, it wasn't specified, but this is being produced between Lionsgate and Amazon. Which so, means you're afraid it's going to go to streaming. Yeah, it's going to go streaming. straight to streaming. And I'd rather sit in a theater with people and watch this. I would agree with you. This this is a fun one that I feel like should be in the theater. However, hmm. it found its base on streaming. Yeah. It didn't I, I, it it made waves in the theater, but not mm-hmm. as much as it should have. And when it went to streaming, when it went to Hulu and a few other places, like I didn't catch it until it was on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember it briefly uh, hitting the wave, and I was just like, eh, I got other things I want to see. <laughs> and I never caught up with it. Man, was I an idiot. But I, I think I, because I know I, think I saw it at move. the theater, and I I went by myself, and I think I even called you afterwards. It's like, I think you'd really like this. I think you did too, and I just never got around to it until <laughs> I was in quarantine with COVID. <laughs> and hey, I was we're busy people. It's okay. Yeah, and I was knocking out movies left, right, and center, you know, for two and a half weeks. Um, and I finally caught up with that one, and I think I called you afterwards, going, "I'm a moron." <laughs> <laughs> you don't n- normally uh, admit that either, so. The no, fact that I you know. would while I'm recording is certainly something. <laughs> I was more on about this. Okay. But there okay. were many things that he bows to me. <laughs> True. True. I'll admit that. Um, but not just, you know, this film and not seeing it in a theater. It's, it's part of this bigger pattern of small and mid-range budgeted films that are just getting chucked at streaming. And bypassing the theatrical 
window altogether. But we don't know that yet. There is still a possibility they may stick it in the theater. If they do, it won't be for long. Oh, yeah. But there is always the possibility that that can happen. Yeah, um, in, in this in this particular case. But in general, we're seeing a lot more of, you know, comedies and films going, you know, mid-range stuff going to direct-to-streaming and theatrical becoming blockbuster more, more of a blockbuster only thing yeah i i would agree with you with the exception of a24 which is <laughs> they kind of i don't want to say they refuse to have anything to do with streaming but they prefer mm-hmm. the theatrical experience i would say like some genre stuff like the a24 stuff um blumhouse is also really good about you know getting a theatrical because you want to go see a film like nope in a theater yeah. with a bunch of people. You don't want to sit at but home and watch it. It's no, not going to be as fun. but that's not going to be a mid-range film. They got Jordan Peele as yeah, the but, executive producer, which they're, they're yeah, guaranteeing. Yeah, but the budget, a, on, budget on that can't be more than $50 million. But he always guarantees a blockbuster. True. So True. It, it doesn't matter what the mid-range budget is. Mm-hmm. It matters what you think your number at the end of the day is yeah. going to be. Yeah, but I'm talking more about mid-range budgeted like dramas or sometimes comedies, things like that. And that's... Yeah, you're not going to see a whole lot of those yeah. outside of award season at this point in the theater. Yeah, and I'm going to miss that if that trend continues. Cause Unfortunately, I'm pretty certain it will. Ooh. I know I've, war- <laughs> I've warned you that theatrical <laughs> as well as physical media will sooner or later just become obsolete. Oh, exactly. It will. Um, and I think, I don't want to call it another nail in... Uh, physical media's uh, coffin, but today, mm-hmm. um, and I don't have it pulled up here in front of me. I apologize. I'm just remembering what I read earlier. Redbox was bought, and they're doing away with the vending machines and going s- to become a streaming service. Yeah, um, I've seen I, that was that was bound to happen sooner or later uh, because I had started to see a decline in the Redbox rental vending machines in this area for probably the last few months. I have, we, I have a friend um, who regularly will go to them because he doesn't have a car Mm -hmm. and um, or on occasion he'll be like, look, I I'm sick at home. I really want to watch a movie, but I don't, I don't feel like walking to Redbox. Can you pick it up for me? Or he'll ask me to drop one off on my way home. But more and more, I've been having a hard time finding them when I need to return one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is gonna hurt. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's definitely going to um, uh, hit the major studios because let's face it, Redbox, you know, gets the major films. They don't get mm-hmm. – it's it's not – them suddenly not buying physical discs for every title, you know, a couple thousand for all their locations, is not going to significantly impact Criterion or Shout Factory. No. Or, uh, you know, some, some of those smaller boutique labels. They, They'll still continue. This is going to definitely hurt, like, Warner Home Video and those types. There's a lot of VOD stuff, though, that goes to Redbox. Really? Oh, yeah. Down near the bottom – up right above like the family movies that's where you'll find them huh because i don't rent from redbox yeah um so. i used to see one at the weiss market around the corner from me when i used to go in there mm-hmm. um it wasn't a red box it was like a generic red box <laughs> machine um movie box kinda. rent movies here it was something like that yeah <laughs> um and they would always have like the big major blockbusters and their releases near the top. Mm-hmm. Filter it through different genres, and then they huh. would show the family movies at the bottom, where the kid, little kids, can see them and go, "Mom, Sonic." Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> but a couple of years ago, when you would go into say Walmart um, in their movie department, there was always a case of everything's kind of mixed together. All these little B-level movies, low budget. Mm-hmm. I remember there were a lot of them that were made by Nick Cage for a while. <laughs> and I, mom's like, oh, Nick Cage. I'm like, put it down. It's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, just look at lo- look at the cover art. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, 
I don't think Th- that is no media. offense to Nick Cage. He's making yes. a comeback. Oh my goodness! And you have not seen no, I haven't. Weight of I, want to, I haven't seen Pig yet either, yeah, and I've heard I've heard Pig is really really fucking good. Same here. Um, but I think you know a movie like Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is just I'm so excited to it's, finally. It's see very that. much Nick Cage and acknowledging Nick Cage, as well as just being as the re- myth really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's on a certain level works as like a deconstruction of of himself mm-hmm. in a way I don't think we've really ever seen in a movie before, which I really like. And I love that because there are. Not a lot of actors out there that have built up this mythos around him of not only being a good actor, but being an absolute shit actor. Just go watch Wicker Man and uh, the bees bees. (laughs) 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 of being, yeah, of being an amazing actor, of being a shit actor and being just knows not to take himself too seriously and does what he needs to do he'll take whatever work at the at Mm -hmm. during that time when he was going through his financial problems and has gone through this level and still kind of made it back to the top with his Mm -hmm. reputation still intact you know i've seen books that are already out about nick cage's career and i'm like guys i appreciate it but it's like trying to um, write a restaurant review mid slurp through a your you know a spoonful of soup. I mean, you, yeah, because we're not <laughs> done yet with this at all, and I'm anxious. I, you know, I wish him a long life. I wish me a longer life so I could get the whole arc of his <laughs> career. I don't want to die going. I wonder what Nick Cage is going to do first. <laughs> you know? I love so. Russell Crowe. You know this. Yes. But he's gone through almost something similar. He's had a very unusual career arc and trajectory. Yeah. He, he was, you know, riding high for a while. Then his little incident with the uh, phone. The phone, yes. Happened. <laughs> and uh, he mm-hmm. started to slump down. He was still kind of riding a high for a while where he was, you know, leading man work. And then all of a sudden, bottom. Mm-hmm. Wife divorces, and he has to start taking whatever he can get, whatever yes. is offered. Um, and- is not the biggest name in the mo- anymore, and but he's cracked out some really good work in between that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that one about. Um, Oh God, I can't remember the name of it at this moment. But with Nicole Kidman a couple years ago, oh, about yeah, I remember um, seeing about it. I the gay never... conversion. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't watch that though. I have not seen that. I haven't either. My mom has a copy. I've been meaning to borrow it. Um, <laughs> but I've heard great things about it. But then, of mm-hmm. course, you get the mummy, and that the mummy that, is that really not, hurt. Not his fault at all. No, that he was might, great in it. That. <laughs> The fault therein might lie upon Universal, the uh, the lead the, of your, the, the film, the, the first person who is listed on the call sheet for that. And we'll to just be honest. That I am because of that bullshit. He is really pissing me off, <laughs> and I don't like. And I don't really enjoy seeing a lot of his movies anymore. They're pretty much all the same at this point. Yeah, I'm getting have a certain point there. I am getting um, dragged to see Top Gun, and every time I see the trailer, and he cracks that little witty joke at the beginning and does his charming smile, I want to punch him in his goddamn face. That's the problem. <laughs> there are times when Tom Cruise can be absolutely charming, and I find him charming at times. Yeah. I kind of like what he does in the Mission Impossible films as Ethan Hunt. That is like the exception to the rule at this point for um, me. And I think he's turned in like a fantastic performance in some films like Magnolia. Oh, yeah. But, I, a Few Good Men times, is still like, wow. Yes. But there are other times where he's just coasting and he's so smug. And you're right. You just want to plaster his nose across the inside of the back of his skull. It's, Am I right about that moment yeah. in the trailer? Yeah. Uh. I, I was never a fan. Here's my problem with the first Top Gun, and I know everybody loves Top Gun. I haven't I seen am, it in so long, I can't fucking even remember. It's very well made. I will give it that. It's very, very, very well made. But his character is such an irredeemable dick 
through the whole movie. I just, I, it's not even like a, oh, this guy's a dick, but I'm kind of rooting for him. It's like, ugh, this guy's a dick, you know? <laughs> and, and I just, I, okay, maybe because the first time I saw it was in high school on a date and my girlfriend was like, ah. But and you're even, like, even, I'm not getting laid tonight because <laughs> no, she's no. gonna be thinking about him. Yeah, there was <laughs> there was no uh, backseat <laughs> rumbles that night. Um, was it Val Kilmer, Tom Cruise, or the volleyball scene? That she probably was all of it. <laughs> she was sitting next to weird skinny me. So, <laughs> did you have the mustache? No, not till college. Okay, you know, even in like one or two subsequent viewings, I still was like, ugh. He's awful. Why Why am I supposed to like him or cheer for him or anything? You know, and it's like, uh, um, so, so I've, I've been monumentally unenthused about this sequel. Yeah. My Darren and the boy and Emmett. Yeah. When I say the boys, I obviously, I just mean Emmett, um, are like, oh my God, they did these, you know. Again, it's it's the filmmaking I'm interested in. Yeah, the, it's it's all like oh, oh they Jennifer did all Connelly. The, yeah, but <laughs> they did all these tricks with the jets themselves and all that. I'm like, I just don't give a fuck. I know. Here's what's funny because I have to I have to try to to watch this movie. Not only do I, I kind of have to go back and revisit the first, mm -hmm. which I'm not keen on doing. Yeah, I have to do that too, and we should probably. Pick an evening and <laughs> and uh, a but, nice bottle of wine or two and <laughs> dive into it. Yeah, but the mythos around Tom Cruise in this movie, yeah, you, you you're trying to root for him. You're trying to root for his team, and the only person in his team that I know is Miles Teller, and I'm not the biggest Miles Teller fan outside <laughs> of fucking Whiplash. So, like. Mm -hmm. What is there really to kind of glue me into this, apart from Jennifer Connelly? Yeah. <laughs> and John Hamm. But oh, even, yeah, that's right, John Hamm. But John Hamm looks like he's just going to be a backseat character. Like, Yeah, he's he's like the, the you talk about big a weird... general who shows up at the beginning and then yells at people at the yeah. end or something. Like, you want to talk about a weird career trajectory, apart from Beirut, I can't <laughs> remember a movie or a TV show in like the past five to six years that he was the lead for. I know one thing that he is going to be the lead in that's coming up, I think later this year. I'm not sure the exact date. He gets a lot of work. Don't but, get me wrong. He's always good. And I'm, But I'm really excited for this, though. Mm. Fletch. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying yes. and And it's based on one of the Fletch novels, which I read all in college, and I think I reread in my 20s, mm. early 30s. And I probably... Should find time to go back and read them again. I ah, find time. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I loved, loved, loved him in Good Omens. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic again, another everything. And he's he was... great in anything Tina Fey does. Oh my god, where they like throw him in in like um, Thirty Rock, 30 Rock <laughs> or um, he's hilarious in that. Or Kimmy Schmidt. He's oh my god, you haven't watched Kimmy Schmidt? No, yet, I have haven't. You? No, okay. He's really good in that. I'm not going to tell you the part he I plays. Just him if, when you in... get to it, you will you will lose your you will lose your shit over it. I loved him in Bad Times at the El Royale. Mm -hmm. oh, Granted, really... that's a that's a hell of an that's ensemble. Another film. unsung gem. Of yeah, the movie. agreed. That's like a simple favor. Yeah. Yes. It, <laughs> and Chris Hemsworth is playing the most un-Chris Hemsworth <laughs> role ever, and I fucking lived for every moment of True. it. it he what, really just kicked yeah, me out, it, and I loved it. It's, again, it's a stylish thing, and there was like this brief moment where we are getting something with like some real cool style to it. Mm -hmm. Some These movies had swagger. Some of them were just really great ensemble pieces. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. and, and it sucks that they didn't get more traction because that would have allowed more directors to do and attempt similar things. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't happen, we kind of like fall back. I mean, we do see some other films that try to have that same kind of cool quotient to it. Um, I'm thinking like Gunpowder Milkshake, which didn't come out all that well, though, unfortunately. But it, it was, it, I understood what they were trying to do with it, but it just, what it didn't hit the mark. Yeah. But I appreciate that they tried. Oh, God. Yeah. That could have been done as a very generic action film that just happened to be, you know, mostly mm -hmm. female led. Instead, uh, they tried to give it a little more yeah. visual whoosh. 
eh, didn't work all that well, but... Atomic Blonde is still Atomic one of Blonde. my favorites that came out. I'm mm-hmm. still trying to track down that graphic novel, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's out of print. I've been oh, I've been God looking. Damn it! Yeah, sorry. I I do keep an eye out for it when in my travels, though, when I pop into comic shops in other towns. I do. It's so good, and that's one I would love to see get a sequel for, because um, Charlize Theron has entered her badass. You know, don't fuck with me, Liam Neeson taken phase. <laughs> but she's giving a little more variety. Than he did. Oh yeah. Uh, between you know, uh, Fast and Furious mm-hmm. and Atomic Blonde, and now Clea. Like mm-hmm. I'm living for her action moments. Yes. Well, now that you kind of blew the. Uh... The mid credit scene for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I didn't blow anything. It's all over social media it is. today. I know. So. I know. This is me trying to. It's been almost a week since the movie came out. So let's... Let's transition. Circle back <laughs> to the beginning of the movie. And um, okay, installment 28, I believe, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> at this point. Yeah, 28. Then Thor is 29. And um, um, Black Panther, Black 2, Panther so. 2 is 30. At the end of the year. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I can't even, even if, I can't repeat again the whole thing of like, if you, if I time traveled and told my 12 year old self this was going to happen, I wouldn't believe me. I um, have come to terms with the fact that within 11 years, Marvel's cooked out more movies than James Bond. And, 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 they, and it, they're it, just oh, as good. <laughs> I, I would say... Overall, the quality in the MCU is much better. Actually, um, is more consistent. Yeah, you'll have a couple of stink burgers in there. Um, yeah, but you're looking at like um, for the Dark World. But as I've been watching Doctor Who, that just really hurts. By the way, <laughs> um, but uh, no, you're right. But you're looking at when J- James Bond maybe cooked out. You know, 25 movies over six not 25 we're at 25 okay over 60 years however for the first 15 to 18 of them they were single adventures they were not strung together by a narrative whereas here holy shit the narrative is so freaking complex Mm. oi yeah and i would say too i mean the 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 analogy kind of falls apart too with uh, Bond, when you look at it as each of those Bond movies within a certain lead actor's, you know, era, it's always that lead actor. You know, you you the Sean Connery ones after Doctor No, they they kind of cranked out the next two or three f- in fairly quick succession. You know, one yeah. a year. Um, but moving on, you know, and then the, the fucked the, up some of the. Uh... <laughs> oh, we're just gonna leave the set guy in the the take. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a couple. What was I? I was watching one was, of them. I think it was one of the Roger Moore's, wasn't it? Yeah, I was watching a Roger Moore one within the last six months, <laughs> and I think it was the Spy Who Loved Me. There's a fight, you know, in this dressing room where the showgirls are, you know, changing, and the camera's kind of moving back and forth as they move, you know, kind of back and forth through the room, and at one point. You know the you know the set was dressed so the mirrors would be angled in a certain way as to not catch the camera crew, and but they, they bumped, bumped into yeah, the bumped damn the dresser and... with the mirror, and the mirror tilted. And, and... hello, lighting guy, yeah. or was it the boom operator? Uh, no, I think it was um the assistant cameraman <laughs> just sitting <laughs> on the side of the thing pulling focus or something. And either they didn't catch it at the time, or they caught it and said, "Well, this happens too fast." How are people going to see it? Because we didn't have home video at that moment. Yeah. And uh, they just kind of left it in. But even beyond that, though, you only have like one lead for your movies. So you have to take, you know, okay, we have to take, you know, some time off, write a new script, film it, release it. So that involves, you know, a certain amount of time for that one actor. And there are times when probably Roger Moore... And everybody else was like, you know what? I want to go do another project in between here. So that kind of pushed out those release dates. 
Whereas with Marvel, you have, you know, eight, ten different lead, t- potential lead characters for your movies. So you always have like two or three films in production at any time. So you can keep throwing them into the theaters once every three or four months. Yeah. I'd love to see how much Marvel has made. Like as a whole. Like money, money? Yeah. Back from all of this. Uh Oh. I'm thinking in terms of general gross, it's got to be somewhere around five or six billion at this point. It's got to be from, more than that. From Iron Man all the way through. Um, that's, yeah, it's probably more than that. It's got to be at least twice or three times yeah. that at this point. Yeah. Um, in terms of... Because what, the last few... In terms of what they um, what they get, you know, back after... Theatrical split and other distribution costs, promotion costs, things like that. Whatever is actual, actual profit. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like real profit, not the bullshit profit they put on their books to screw people out of uh, their percentages on the back end. Yeah. Um, is probably still a very, very, very big bag with a dollar bill on it. <laughs> <laughs> this is, hey, it's Disney. It's It all goes into Scrooge McDuck's pool of gold coins. So he can go so take he, a bath. Yeah, so he can dive in and <laughs> swim around in it. <laughs> Smog is jealous. And that works because it's better than cover bag. We're back to uh, Dr. Dr. Strange. Strange. Okay. Um, <laughs> boy, as an old school Sam Raimi fan, who saw Evil Dead in college in a dorm room with some beers? And you are were have, having a nerdgasm through this movie. By yes, way. I was. There was so it's it's not an enti- it's not full one hundred percent uncut injected into your eyeballs, uh, Sam Raimi, but it's about a 75 percent of Sam a Sam Raimi movie. Oh, my favorite! Um, uh, there was a meme I saw a couple days later where they're like, "We want Doctor Strange," and it. You know, they give you, like, a huge thing, like a bubble, and it says Doctor Strange, like, right on the outside of it, and inside it says Evil Dead 4. Oh, uh, okay. Inside it. Okay, yeah, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen that, but done with, like, a Trojan horse. That's what, that's the one I saw, okay, I'm sorry, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's, um, it does, and I'll say, okay, spoilers for all of Doctor Strange at this point. Um, at the end... The the makeup on Benedict Cumberbatch for the zombie version of Strange um, is very much in that same style of Evil Dead. The evil spirits that kind of attack him and taunt him and that high cackling voice is absolutely all Evil Dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could take out – you could overdub um, anytime somebody says the Darkhold with the <laughs> Necronomicon – and you'd be fine. <laughs> the Necronomicon. <laughs> no, not the cookbook. The Necronomicon. No, there's no icon at the end of it. It's just the Necronomicon. No, Necronomicon. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it is you, a book that sends me into hysterics every time I, I see know, it at the bookstore. Yeah, I can't even get close to that topic because you get the giggles like a goof. Um, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, even even some small things. Um, like the one point at the end of his first conversation with Wanda, um, where it's all very dark and mm-hmm. then... Wong kind of comes into focus and then yeah, it dissolves no, you, away. You, I, I audibly heard you go, oh my God, that's such a Raimi transition. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's, you know, certain camera moves, some whip pans, uh, the way the camera would tilt. I know everybody's like, oh, of course, Bruce Campbell's in it. That's why it's a Sam Raimi movie or whatever. You also have, yeah, the classic, that uh, car that's always uh, in all of his films as well, with the exception of... Um, the Quick and the Dead, although he claims it is in a shot, but with a um, covered wagon on top of it, a covered wagon shell. So technically it might be in the movie, but we can't see it. I know. Um, but there's so much more in terms of like his actual craftsmanship that it permeates this movie. And I'm here for it. I am just all about it. And I was actually honestly going into the movie a little nervous about it simply because for the most part marvel only gives their directors so much wiggle room to do their thing yeah they definitely want things to be roughly 
the same. So you're never going to get like a Wes Anderson Marvel movie or anything like that. I mean, Which can would you be imagine? interesting. Dun, dun, but... dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I can kind of picture it. I'm, I'm trying to picture a Wes Anderson movie that's all scored to like mid, uh, late '60s, early '70s, <laughs> the Kinks, and <laughs> I like this idea. Let's 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 go to that. Where's my where's where's my phone number for Kevin Feige? I know we can pitch this to him right now. Um, um but. Actually, when we were promised at um, the Phase 4 announcement back in 2019 um, at San Diego Comic-Con, that Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness would be our first horror movie of the MCU. Mm-hmm. I, it was tamer than I thought it was going to be, actually. <laughs> well, that's interesting because initially... When they made that announcement, Scott mm-hmm. Derrickson, who directed the uh, first Doctor Strange movie, and um, I think Robert Cargill, who wrote it, um, were both signed on to do the second one. And then Derrickson left um, because they just had some disagreements about uh, the direction that was going to go or whatever. But it was allegedly very amicable. Uh, Cargill and uh, Derrickson went off and did uh, The Black Phone, which is opening soon and looks monumentally scary uh it actually looks pretty badass i'm not gonna lie um but and ethan hawk we'll save this for the end but ethan hawks had an interesting career trajectory (laughs) as well yes uh but bringing sam raimi in who who of course comes with not just sam raimi street cred marvel cred marvel cred for the spider-man movies yeah um i think that kind of was like yeah sam knows how to play within the certain restrictions and and I think he does a great job. Oh, when the Between eyeball him... fell out of the the, uh, <laughs> the monster, I was like, oh! <laughs> yes, exactly. I was a little shocked by that. Not like the gore itself, but kind of like, wow, that's kind of gory for a Marvel film. And then we... Which is pretty like clean in its violence. And then we got the guy whose head blew up. Yeah, Black Bolt. Um, and uh, a, a character who got Darth Mauled. And when I say that, I mean they got chopped in half. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that Illuminati was... scene was rough. Yeah. But, but even then, um, uh, the scene with uh, that scene where we see Black Bolt's head kind of, and the other character, I'm going to respect your decision not to reveal who that is. Not yet. When they get, we'll, we'll when... get it. We'll get into spoilers. So well, you we already seen are in spoilers. Um, I already said gave a spoiler warning. So I, okay. Um, well, then even, it, even Captain Carter. Yeah, Captain Carter when she gets sliced in two. It still happens off screen, and we just see her fall over. But we know what happened. We, you know exactly what she happened. She went full Darth. It got total Darth Maul. Yeah, chopped her right in half. There's a lot of nastiness that happens that is off screen. And Mr. And Fantastic turned into spaghetti. Oof. <laughs> That's yeah. And I, I kind that of was a mercy. That. that one was a mercy compared, compared to, to some of the others. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, and I like, though, that, you know, it, it was a little darker in terms of the that kind of a tone, mm-hmm. but they still kind of it happens off screen and anything else is in your mind. You know, it's it's a key trope in horror movies to kind of do that. You know, everything from like the blob to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, uh, when I was thinking of it being more of a horror movie, I'm going to reference one of the worst made Marvel movies ever. I was expecting somewhere along the lines of the darkness of New Mutants. Okay. That's what I was expecting. Okay. When you're talking reality and, you know, the multiverse and Scarlet Witch, I was figuring a lot more of it was going to be psychologically reality-based. Not, oh, we're going to bring in monsters and, you know, it's going to be gory kills or, yeah, you're going to get zombie strange through the whole third act. (laughs) But, no, I was expecting Mm -hmm. there was going to be more jump scares, playing with the things in the dark. Literally the only moment in the entire film that got relatively close to what I had in my mind was when she came through the, uh, the, the metal or the gong. Okay, yeah. 
and kind of like at, with her body bent in unnatural positions and then kind of cracking it back yeah. in, into that was normal, That normalcy. was the only moment that actually got close to what I had hoped or expected from this movie. Mm-hmm. There was, um, I mean, yeah, still they have to play it PG. PG-13, excuse me. There were some other th- moments that I thought were pretty creepy. Um, when Professor Xavier is in her mind, um, had a little bit of creepiness to it. Only when the smoke um, showed up. There was um, how she kind of was like coming after them in those tunnels underground. Um, kind of dragging her foot behind yeah, her, very evil yeah. dead. <laughs> it, it, it felt more like like the unstoppable killer of like a Halloween or a Friday the 13th movie. I would agree with you there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there were a lot of elements. Overall, I was like, you know, this wasn't like a movie where I would be like, Ugh, I don't like it because it's too gory for my tastes. You know, no. and some horror movies that are rated R definitely are. I just found it interesting that there was at least a little bit of conversation about, is this too gory for kids? And, well, guess what? It's PG-13. Um, Know your kids. Maybe go see the movie first without them and figure it out for yourself if this is something they can handle or not. And actually, in this day and age, yes, there's the whole, oh, we have to worry about the screen, you know, the, the... the PTA of, or sorry, MTA or whatever you fuck you want to call them who rate the goddamn movies. Yeah, you have to worry about them. But the parents, most of them take your, their kids to see fucking Deadpool. And We have been at more than one R-rated movie. Where oh my we've... god, the baby in fucking It. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's chapter two. <laughs> and um, no, I, I was... Speaking of Deadpool, that was a conversation we had on the way home in the car from Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Was what happens? Because I, I mentioned how, in tonally, um, I had assumed this this film was actually going to be a lot darker, a lot scarier. Um, and they're like, "Well, I can't wait for them to do Deadpool." I go, "I really fucking hope they don't." Because um, the beauty of Fox doing Deadpool was they were outside of the MCU, which allowed for certain leeways to what they can do with the character. If they tried to bring M- if they tried to bring Deadpool into a Spider-Man movie, trying to rein him in <laughs> did not work when they tried to do it once before. And what did they have to do? So his goddamn mouth shut. <laughs> now, br- uh, bringing Spider-Man into a Deadpool movie would make more sense because you're playing within the parameters that are already set up by, by the f- Deadpool films. By the Deadpool films, yes. Mm-hmm. But having Deadpool join the MCU is not going to work well for the character, and you're not going to get your first R-rated Avengers movie with Deadpool in it. It's not happening. True. Deadpool is a very tricky proposition for for Marvel right now. Fans want to see another Deadpool movie. I think Ryan Reynolds wants to make one. Mm-hmm. He enjoys uh, the, those movies. Um, even, he enjoys getting paid. Yeah. Um, even Logan would have never been made by Marvel. No. No. And, Mar- and Logan's one of the best Marvel property films that is non-Marvel to come out. <laughs> Yeah, something that's not MCU. Yeah, non MCU property. Oh, I would definitely agree with you there. Um. So yeah, so those are you know, and there are a lot of people who are expecting, uh, Deadpool to be showing up in. Yeah. In this movie, and as well as Tom Cruise as a version of Tony Stark, as well as you know, there was a so many stupid theories floating around. And a lot of it was just, I, I think... I hoped we were going to get more X-Men. Honest, I really did. <laughs> um, I didn't know anything about the Illuminati at first, so when he got marched in and we heard Professor X, all I could think of is, finally, we're going to get the X-Men. I would have loved to see James Marster sitting up there. <laughs> I know. Honest. I, I know. I think he is a character who was completely... Under fucking utilized, uh, James Marsters, James Marsden, yeah, um, as Cyclops. I think he um, was underutilized in those films, and then he was wasted as just oh the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I 
don't think, though, that when the MCU inter- introduces their version of the X-Men, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see anybody who we've previously seen in those those characters. Oh, I don't think so either. Um, at this point, honestly, I love Patrick Stewart. Um, I want James McAvoy. I, I Patrick Stewart's just basically too old at this point. They want somebody who's mm-hmm. going to go for 15 years. Yeah. And... As much as it hurts to think about. That's why they got him in for like two seconds, gave the fans what they wanted, mm-hmm. and then they wasted him. Literally. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love McAvoy. I think, um, uh, you know, some of the more recent castings have been really good. Um, but I, I think Kevin Feige's going to want to go with a clean slate for his X-Men. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Every now and then, he might have someone pop up and be like, "Hey, I'm from this universe. Do you need mm-hmm. a hand?" <laughs> Get, or give him some useless information and be like, "Okay, now I've got to pop back to mine. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't say." But yeah, yeah. It, it'd be interesting to see where they go with the multiverse stuff. Um, Days of Future Past did multiverse before MCU did, and it was true. And it was a damn solid film. True. Yeah. I'd say probably one of, the, outside of Logan, probably the last, Logan and- um, X2. I loved X2. No, uh, no from going, oh, from the new one? moving forward, uh, that was probably one of the last good X-Men films. That, Logan, and the Deadpool films. Apocalypse could have been good. The ending to that film is fucking solid. When they all turn around and she goes, you know, you're no longer kids anymore, you are X-Men. And you feel like they're just going to- Something wonderful is going to come for these characters, and you're ready to go on the next trip. And nothing happened. <laughs> no. no. Uh, and with all the time travel stuff, X, the X-Men, the Fox X-Men continuity is kind of wonky. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of came up with an idea once and sketched out how it kind of actually worked in terms of at some point going back in time also changed some other things, and then this other thing happened, and, <laughs> and that's why this happened. You know, I, I got really kind of like, Deep in the weeds, nerdy with it, and then I was like, "What am I doing? I'm wasting a perfectly good Thursday night doing this or whatever it was." Um, but again, multiverse though, does it matter? Does does the multiverse take away the importance of specific characters if we know other versions are out there? I mean, we love our Doctor Strange in the the regular MCU, um, but. Does knowing that he exists, but other versions of Doctor Strange are out there, does that kind of take away from his specialness a little bit, or or do you think it kind of solidifies it? Because they made that point that um, America Chavez didn't have any doppelgangers through the multiverse because she didn't dream. Mm-hmm. So does that make her more special than Doctor Strange? Because we know there are a shit ton of Doctor Stranges across... Uh, Across uh, various Earths? I think her character is her power. And the fact that she's the only one makes her probably the rarest and most important person in all of the multiverse. And it also means that she will always be in fucking danger because of it. (laughs) Um, Well, that's probably why we saw her at the end uh, training. Yeah. With the, the the other monks, I... um, but I don't think it says anything about whether or not Doctor Strange is special or not. We know that across whatever timeline he's then, he's there to protect the people in his universe. Mm-hmm. But I think that's pretty special to me. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> You're not crazy, because on the flip side, we've got Wanda, who knows that there are versions of her kids out there. And she's basically willing to kill a version of herself to become their mom. It kind of slightly goes unsaid, but ultimately that's what she you yeah. know was gonna need to happen. And that is royally messed up. It is it's- very messed up. And if it wasn't for the kids' reaction of just how much they feared her. I'm sorry. I you and I both know I absolutely adore Scarlet Witch and I have since Ultron. Yes. 
this film broke my heart for her. It really did. Like, she has lost her parents, her brother, the only man she ever loved, her kids. Give this woman a fucking break. I think she's absolutely justified in just asking for a little bit of peace in her mm-hmm. life. Everyone else gets to have some measure of it. I mean, even even Natasha Romanoff, who we've always seen as kind of lone, always had Hawkeye. And then near the end of her life, found Helena. Mm-hmm. Yelena. And... Um, she had hers. Yeah, but that's what makes, I think... Um, Her a compelling character. A compelling, tragic character. And things don't always go well for tragic characters. That's part of the tragedy of it all. Um, Honest, she, for me, is becoming the anti-Loki. And I am absolutely okay with that. Meaning how Loki went from being spoiled, I don't want to call him a villain, um, but (laughs) became almost a hero. Mm -hmm. She's going the opposite way and she is completely, she's completely justified in my brain. Yeah, no, well, the best villains, you know, have good moral or have good arguments for what they are doing. The question is, what is going to be the end game? She's mm-hmm. already tried this and found that it, not only did it not work, it hurt her way too much to keep trying, so she shut it down. Mm-hmm. So do you think she really is dead? No. no. I mean, I mean, it's comics. It's a comic book movie. They're, it's, they're not dead until we see a body, and even then. Mm. Um. Yeah. No, I don't think she's dead. By any stretch of the imagination. You believe we will see her again on the big screen? Well, we've... Well, think about the end of WandaVision. She just kind of like snapped her fingers and just disappeared. hmm You're telling me she didn't have the power in the last second here to go, okay, I'm out of here. Shh, I've done well, my there job. Is, there is that flash of red in that cloud of debris and dust and everything yeah. that we see. So is that her, you know, dying and releasing all that power? Or is that her going, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> and um, I, I think it's played that way that should Elizabeth Olsen want to leave the MCU after all this time, mm-hmm. she has an out. But if she wants to stay in, she has an in. <laughs> yes. I, there, I think there's still things to explore with that character if they choose to... Um, continue mm-hmm. if they say you know i think this is a good stopping point for this character that's fine too i would miss the that character um i think there are certain things along the way that people were hoping to see um like oh. house of m where she yeah says, that's, no more that mutants. was me that was me yeah everybody was hoping for that um, um honest the thing that really got me about this movie that I would have loved to see and never had the opportunity to was I wanted to see Cliff show up. They had that they had that connection in, in Ultron mm-hmm. where I it's kind of like an older brother in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um but you know, he's he's the one who says to her, if you go out there, you're no longer Wanda Maximoff. You're an Avenger. Mm-hmm. And they never really kind of explored that in any of the other films. Um, but when it came down to this, you know, after everything with Pietro and all that, I wanted to see him just show up for a moment to talk to her. I I, I, I I don't know I, how yeah. they would have fit it in. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But and at this he, point, he, he's bringing visiting... Hawkeye in on top of everybody else that you had. You know, some people have kind of criticized this thing as being a bit of a cameo parade because of like the Illuminati sequence. And I disagree. I mean, you go to another Earth, you're going to see different characters. That's fine. I yeah. understand. And it's fun to see that these are some of these characters are different variants of people we've met already in the MCU. 
I, I think it would have been great to see Clint as part of the Illuminati because during that segment where she's killing everyone, the fact that Pietro, her brother, gave his life for him would have been that moment, that brief moment of weakness for her where mm -hmm. she may have incapacitated him. But that's how we know she's not completely fucking gone <laughs> because she spared his life. True. Because they had that connection at one point. Well, given what we know is coming in the next year or two, I don't think we're really going to see her um, in terms of movies. Like we said, we've got Thor, Love and Thunder. Mm -hmm. um, we've got... The Midlife Crisis Thor film, apparently, as Taika Waititi <laughs> has named it. Which, oh good, a Marvel movie I can really connect with. <laughs> um you know, we've got Black Panther 2, we've got the Guardians Christmas special, and then um, going into 2023, you know, we'll have Guardians 3 and the Marvels, and I, there's something else coming. Um, and there are a couple of other things in development, and then yeah. we get Blade. Blade, I think, is Blade. supposed to be the end of Phase 4. Mm -hmm. And on the TV side, uh, we have uh, Ms. Marvel, Marvel coming up. Uh, uh, She-Hulk. She-Hulk. And uh, um, what else is there? There's something else, isn't there? Um, Secret Invasion. Yes, Secret Invasion. I think are the last three things yes. for this. We're getting Olivia Colman. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want to see her and, and Sam Jackson hanging out. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the most ridiculous, amazing pairing ever. I have a feeling in Secret Invasion we're going to. Now, let me ask you this, though. Yeah. We've got. We've got a lot of threads flapping around here. Yeah. Um, we've got multiverse stuff. We've got... The Kree. Uh, not Kree. Is it Kree? Yeah, the Kree and the scrolls. Yeah. Um, which is all... I, that's all going towards Secret Invasion. Mm hmm We have the... Um, kind of the espionage stuff with uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus's character recruiting people like U.S. Agent mm -hmm. and Yelena. Um we might have Daredevil coming back. Who knows? Uh, although we'll possibly find out in She-Hulk. Um, everybody seems to be complaining that, oh, there's no there's no true vision as to what phase four leads to. And like we can look at phase one, two, and three and see where it's, you know, leads to the infinity saga and blah, 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 I blah. I mean, yes and no. There is no uh, we've got separate storylines all going at one time. Um, they all have their own end game, but where are they all going to converge? And I think that's what people are complaining about is you can't see where they're going to converge and it's pissing them off. Well, because they've gotten used to the whole t like 18, and 20 films and then we got Thanos, but Thanos was set up in movie five. So yes. the last 30 seconds but of still, movie five and up until that point, we had no idea where this was going. We had no idea. And, every, and even after that, it was like, oh, my God, Thanos, he's going to be in Avengers 2. No. No. <laughs> no. We're not going to see Thanos really kind of kick ass. Uh, you know, it, we'll see him a little bit in Guardians. But beyond that, we're not going to see him do anything, you know, for another couple of movies. Yeah, and that's okay with me because – and Several years. I'm, you know? I'm going to say – I'm going to swap a universe for a second. I'm going to go over to, to DC at the end of the Batman movie, we got a brief glimpse of Joker. And I'm hoping that they're Thanosing that bullshit and saving him as the big bad for the end of the fucking series. <laughs> like three or four movies down the road. And I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah, I'd be too. It's like we said when we talked about that movie. Um, can we can we not do the Joker for a while? Can yeah. we like do some other villains? Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of saving, you know, your your biggest bad, like teasing them up front and then going, no, you're going to have to stay with us just long enough to get what you've been hoping for. Yeah. Well, And that amps up the amount of threat there is behind this person, too. Yes. Um, um, and the week before Doctor Strange opened, we had uh, the director of Fantastic Four drop out of the project. Mm-hmm. Right before everybody saw Jonathan Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. And that, you know, <laughs> st immediately started the rumors that he's going to direct the movie and everything else. Maybe it's an educated guess. It's I'd give it even money of a possibility. Of I would like happening. to see him do that. Yeah, it would be interesting. I think he's earned his right as a director with his success with 
quiet place Mm -hmm. to take on you know a big budget film and that was one of that's another one that was one of those mid-level movies that came out of nowhere and was just so good it became this big blockbuster Mm -hmm. and it also jump-started his career besides that and jack ryan as being yeah well everybody else was also like well they just announced this is going to be the last season of jack ryan hmm is because he wants to leave and make a Fantastic Four movie? No, it's because four years ago he signed a contract to say we're doing four seasons. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so there's a lot of that conspiracy nonsense floating around. But oh, there there was there's conspiracy that if uh, if he's directing, then he's gonna get Emily Blunt to play Sue Storm. Honest, I'm okay with that because um, Fox kept her out of the running for Black Widow to fucking make Gulliver's Travels because she owed them one more movie. Yeah. And, well, let's... The less said about (laughs) Gulliver's Travels, the better. Um, Well, we've got um, a couple of months, though, until um, D23. And I wouldn't be surprised if we got some announcements out of there. Um, At the same time, in just two weeks, we've got Star Wars Celebration. And... I'm wondering if we're going to hear anything about Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie that he wants to make. We know that the writer is working on it. Maybe they might announce a director then, Mm -hmm. and that might give us a hint as to what else we can expect out of the Marvel Universe. Yay! If a certain Marvel director who might have just dropped out of Fantastic Four, if if he suddenly shows up as the Star Wars director, it's going to look more like a, hey, direct Star Wars so I can move so-and-so into here kind of a deal. And, I and be to surprised. be honest, anyone would take that that jump. Uh, you want me to do Star Wars? Yes. Um, twist my arm, please. Ow. Um, <laughs> I do have a question, and I'm skipping from movie to television with Marvel now. Okay, fire away. What the hell at the end of that moonlight? Um, Moon Knight. What do you mean? There was the third the third personality? No, no, no. Just oh. there was no thread to a future that could link it to something else in the Marvel universe. It kind of was its own thing and I yeah. think maybe that they were looking at tossing something in that was going to hook up to Thor from what I had heard um but then they decided to pull it out, which is fine. Oh, I fuck. Have, that would I have no problem with it kind of standing on its own. My only big problem is it we don't have an exact feeling as to when it happened outside of it happened after the snap yeah there was like one kind of offhand reference if they but where moved it kind of it, falls with everything else though it's a little yeah fuzzy if they had moved it post doctor strange and left that thing in for thor it would work it would have worked because we know with thor uh he will be visiting other worlds with other gods um exactly. we're going to olympus um I mean, you obviously we saw the night sky just completely go back in time. <laughs> Everyone saw that. Yes. You're telling me someone didn't see a giant um, look like an ibis skull fighting a fucking crocodile that was the size of the Giza pyramid? That's like <laughs> Eternals. Like, see, how does no one notice this shit? And how does no one ever talk about it? That's the thing too. That's one of the things that sometimes. We see the events, but we don't see the reaction to those events. And that would, I think, be a very interesting Marvel show in and mm-hmm. of itself. Of like a, I don't know, some kind of drama about like a um, support group for people who like escaped. Yeah. Mm. You, know, you know, hey, we all escaped being, you know, trod underfoot by a celestial. Um, <laughs> you know, so whatever. Um, there, there are always interesting stories there. And um, I think hopefully... That you know, Marvel will start to explore some of that too. Because um, I I loved Moon Knight, and I, I, I did too. I felt the uh, the last episode was a little rushed. It was a little rushed, but it was still overall within the six episodes. It's a solid series. Um, it just it doesn't link to anything, and because it doesn't link, there is a possibility it will sooner or later be forgotten. I, I, we don't have to revisit this in order to watch these. I don't think we've seen the last of Moon Knight. Oh, no, I don't think so either. But the question is, where are they going to bring him in? Mm-hmm. Now, now having a discussion about does everything Marvel have to connect or not is an entirely super long conversation we're going to have to table for another time. 
because I think that's going to, looking at the clock here, that's going to wrap us up for today. All right. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there, search and hit subscribe. Sorry to leave you on a cliffhanger. (laughs) And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review because that always helps us connect with new listeners. And remember... Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is showing in every single theater in the world. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't seen it, well, sorry we spoiled it for you, but we did warn you. But uh, again, go see it again two or three times. Hmm. It's only made half a billion dollars so far <laughs> as of this morning. And that's uh, all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Hey, do I get a soul stone? <laughs> I can't believe-